Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Business Boys. Today, it is episode number 63. Uh, with me, as always, my main man, Spence. How you doing? Man, I'm uh, doing pretty good. You know, sports are coming back. Um, shit's still pretty messy out there, but, uh, you know, had a good weekend, enjoyed the sun. And yeah, spent uh, most of the afternoon with the TV on in the background watching Congress drill the uh, big tech execs and was getting frustrated about that. What a shit show. What a clown show that was. But yeah, can't so what complain, are, you know. What are they grilling them on exactly? Uh, pretty much everything, but uh, mainly antitrust, you know, just uh, running monopolies and crushing the little guy. And uh, yeah, uh, they're actually not in Congress. They're all on WebEx, which is like uh, shittier Zoom, but probably more secure. And first time Jeff Bezos is testifying, um, he went like f- four or five uh, senators or whoever they are, Congress congressmen or, or women, without being asked a question, and then started getting grilled questions. And you know, Jeff Jeff wasn't there to just uh, you know bend backwards. He pushed back a little bit on a lot of these. Nice, yeah, for sure. They uh, they prep nice to fight back. Was it is like uh, I know the last time we we kind of talked about the Facebook hearing, it was a bit of uh, a shit show. Some some people knew what they were talking about. Some people absolutely did not know what the internet was. Was it yeah, a bit man, more? These like, people are a joke. Like uh, one of, one of the guy first questions for Facebook, he brought up uh, an issue like a, a problem that happened at Twitter. It wasn't even uh, it didn't even happen at Facebook, so that was a pretty big flop. <laughs> um, yeah, man, a lot of them don't really understand like the intricacies of, of these companies and how their algorithms work. And, you know, I do, I do, um, just to get my take on it. Cause I think for most of it is a crock of shit. I do kind of get some of their points about, uh, them being monopolies, especially with like Facebook and how they just like either acquire the company, you try to copy exactly what they're doing, stuff like that. But, you know, I think there's lots of examples of, of companies competing against, uh, the likes of Amazon or something, you know, I think Shopify has done a great job of that and also empowering uh, small businesses. So it's definitely, uh, you're definitely able to compete and succeed with them being out there. Um, it's just a lot harder and uh, they're very competitive and sometimes they might use their data to uh, extort their dominance a little bit. But to me, being a businessman, that's all part of what makes them a great business, you know, and whether that's uh, immoral or or not so be it <laughs> there you have it folks <laughs> like fuck, and, uh, all, all these all these senators definitely use all these companies on a day-to-day basis like come on yeah for sure if, if they if they know how for one and two it's well that's the <laughs> argument right it's, a, it's that they're a monopoly so they have to use them but maybe they don't want to like uh you know all this bachelor party uh planning we got going on right now it's uh it's on facebook and uh, our, our buddy doesn't have Facebook and he feels out of the loop. Now I have to fucking repeat myself just because he won't have Facebook. Yeah, we Fuck like you. A Slack, uh, Slack channel going for that or something. It's true. It's true. Um, you mentioned sports are coming back or some uh, NFL trades. Uh, I don't really know what they were, but it's nice to see something pop up in the news. Uh, basketball, mm. the playoff. I, I, I think like the regular, the quote unquote quick season like seeding is starting today tomorrow or, or by the end of the week so i believe tonight, i believe or tonight yeah i think it or thursday maybe hmm. 
So that's exciting. I was, I was, however, loving the like two months worth of just old plays and, um, like, you know, they were just like showing like sick highlights from like the eighties and nineties and early two thousands. And there was, they were, they were nice flashbacks, you know? I actually watched the, this year's, this past year's Super Bowl on YouTube. And uh, that's how that's how much I needed some some sports to put on the background, and it felt like ages ago. This is like five months ago. It felt like three years. Ah, crazy. Um, but it'll be nice to have that back. I still don't, I haven't done any fantasy football research or planning of the uh, of the fantasy football league, uh, the great Gam Gams. Hopefully, we'll have a year this year. But I, I don't really know what's going on there. So start my research. I think of- we're gonna have a start to the year. So. I don't know if we'll have a full season as planned, but they're going to try to give it a go, I'm pretty sure. Love it. I love yeah. what I'm hearing. Duvernay Just a shout out Duvernay Tardy, if you're opting out. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say he opted out of the NFL season because he wants to stay back. And if he says he's going to risk the coronavirus, he's going to risk it helping people not, quote unquote, playing a sport, as he says. Yeah, I think he's volunteering at long-term care facilities and that in, uh, yeah. in Montreal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Better man than me. That's for sure. And I, I don't blame anyone for opting out. You know, it's their their decision. A lot of people have either them or one of their family members has a pre-existing medical condition that, uh, you know, they don't want to put them in danger. So yeah. I, don't, I think anyone giving anyone any athlete a hard time for opting out is, is really just doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah, like um, just go like just so you can just so you can sit on the couch and eat potato chips watching them. No, I understand, uh, and it's also like it's not like like the NBA bubble. It's like what it's going to be like two months max, and it's it's like you know there's like you're dressing like ten players, right? Whereas NFL, it's quite a bit more than that, yeah. um, and because it'll be a full season, you're not going to bubble up and not see your family for for nine ten months, so. Yeah, it's tough, and baseball was in that situation too, and now there's a disaster. Like, the whole Marlins team tested positive for COVID, and games are being um, delayed. And, yeah, obviously the bubble's the way to go. You know, I would think the NBA's had zero uh, positive tests. The NHL's had a couple maybe. So, uh, I know, hopefully they go off without problem. also want to give a quick shout-out to the Blue Jays fans. Uh, Nate Pearson, stud pitcher, number eight prospect in all of baseball, MLB debut tonight. Let's see what the kid can throw. Mostly throws, uh, you know, triple digits sometimes. That fastball can get up there. So, ooh, I'm excited. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, let's move on into uh, some other business news, and then uh, later on we'll be talking about the. Uh, the we'll be closing out uh, the art of sales. Uh, no pun intended, because we'll be talking about. Different ways to close and uh, get the deal or get the decision, and then a few quick tips. But uh, let's jump into some of these uh, these quick hitting news um, that you'd laid down here. Uh, we talked about Disney, another big name, cutting back on their Facebook advertising. Do you want to do a little deeper dive into that? No, I mean it, it's not too much to say. Like they were actually the number one ad spender on Facebook in the first half of 2020. Now, I don't know if that's like, uh, you know, like a projectable trend because I think a lot of it was just promoting Disney Plus right. and like fucking Mulan real life coming out probably, which uh, still hasn't been released. Uh, and I'm, I'm very sad about that. Um, 
And they also cut some Hulu spend on Instagram, which was like 16 million in Q2. So it, it was actually, uh, you know, a, a pretty significant uh, ad spender on Facebook. But uh, like I said, they just have so many friggin' advertisers. It, it really shouldn't have a material uh, dent in their financials. And, you know, we wonder how long this boycott lasts because I, I really don't think it's forever. Yeah, some people just like to make like the big name and then they slowly go back like the big the big headline that they're pulling out and look all fa- like, you know, all fancy. But, um, you know, sometimes it's just a little bit of publicity. Mm-hmm. Um, is D- Disney, from what I can tell, um, is I think they're slowing down a bit their phased reopening or are they keeping it as is, but they're still reopening or they're, are they open? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure Disney World is open. And yeah. uh, it looks pretty empty, man. Like, I'd be... I don't think I would go, but this is probably the time to go. Like, it's... Um, but, yeah, I just... I don't know if it's... Uh, you know, I'm sure they have capacity, like a maximum capacity and stuff like that now. Uh, that's much lower than before. It, w- it was in Hong Kong that they had to uh, reclose after the reopening. Hong Kong's under, like, super strict quarantine measures now. I think a few com- uh, countries in Europe as well, but uh, yeah, I think in the in the states mm-hmm. they're, they're open as per usual. Yeah, I was looking at because I have a trade show down in uh, Orlando in September, and I was kind of looking at like I just kind of keep monitoring if I'll be able to go and what the dealers are not. And still, if you're not considered essential travel, you need to quarantine for two weeks before you go do anything uh, when you get there. So. Um, even if even, like Disney, like any Disney world member, like people that go are going to be people that live, you know, at least in Florida or have driven there. Um, so they're like, I don't think many people are going to want to quarantine for two weeks with their family in Florida and then go to just to go to Disney world. Um, we'll see if that gets lifted soon or what, but that's the, that's the general situation now. Um, got to get, got to do the quarantine. But, yo, I, I didn't realize how many, like, they have, like, passes that, you, like, they sell, like, these, like, super expensive passes that you can go, like, all summer long. Like, I didn't realize Disney was, like, a, like, I guess it's, I don't know, you, like, families will go, like, ten times in the summer. I find that it's, it's the it's, same it's, as any uh, Six Flag park, right? I, I, had, I, I had a su- summer pass to La Ronde when I was 14. It's, yeah, but it's, I, it's, like, if you go more than three times, you get your money's worth, pretty much. Yeah, but I feel like there's not really, I guess if you're like a kid, kid, but there's not really like roller coasters. They're more like rides, no? Yeah, it's. it's I guess it's more kiddie stuff, kiddie rides. Um, I, I do have some roller coasters and good, uh, is it Tower of Terror and stuff like that? Mm. The one that just drops. Um, but yeah, it's definitely more for the kids. But hey, man, if uh, the kids want to go, I guess you find an economical way and uh, they're happy. Yeah. Um, another quick news, um, eBay making some moves in, in Norway. You want to, do you? Yeah, I want to go. I'm a big fan of Norway. They have a dope flag, um, super like EV friendly, stuff like that. I'd be in. Anyways, uh, eBay continues divesting its non-core assets and they sold their uh, classified business which included the likes of kijiji uh for 9.2 billion in cash and stock they sold it to norway's adavinta 
I hope I'm getting that right. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm willing to bet a lot of money that you're not, but... <laughs> Adavinta! <laughs> Adavinta um, is now, and I think was before, the uh, biggest classified company in the world. Uh, owns just like a million different European classified sites. Um, the deal is kind of a uniquely structured where eBay gets $2.5 billion in cash out of the 9.2 that they sold it for. And the rest, they get shares in Adivinta, and uh, they'll own a 44% ownership with 33% voting power. eBay said activist investors uh, for the last few years just trying to get it to divest all its non-core uh, assets and focus on its core marketplace. That's why they sh- they sold StubHub last year for, I believe it was around 4 or $5 billion. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. It might have been 8 uh, I could be wrong on that. So, uh, yeah, definitely focusing uh, or trying to focus on uh, revitalizing their their own marketplace, which is actually still pretty prominent, but obviously is not growing like it used to in 1999 when Weird Al was making songs about it. Yeah, I haven't used eBay in a, in a nice while, but mm-hmm. um, every time I see them pop up in news, I'm like, holy fuck, they're still they're still doing things. They own a lot of shit. By the way, they used to own PayPal too, which is now like a two hundred billion, one hundred fifty billion dollar company. So they they've they bought some good shit along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we were ta- Then there's a new, uh, you know, a few. Wow, fuck that up. <laughs> I'm sure a few of you saw uh, Elon Musk in the news as always, but this week it wasn't for a Twitter rant. Uh, I guess as much as it was, he was talking again about AI and machine learning. So we got this new uh, machine learning system, GPT-3, that I know you wanted to uh, to talk about. Um, if you want to, again, add some some light on that. Because uh, I know he's Elon Musk, is a, he's a little freaked out. He's a little weary of, of diving too deep into the AI. Yeah, it's uh, so the company is OpenAI and... Uh... I don't know if Elon's still a board member. I think he left, right? A year or two ago. Anyways, it's uh, the CEO's name is Sam Altman. It's basically like a bunch of like uh, tech people working in AI and that that are kind of joined forces to make this, I think it's non-profit. Um, essentially, they came up with this programming language called uh, GPT-3, third generation. Uh, it's ge- it stands for General Pertain Transformer. It's a machine learning model. Um, so it's basically the most powerful language model ever built. It has seven, 175 billion, uh, learning parameters. I think the second closest one right now is Microsoft's algorithm with 17 billion uh, parameters. And basically, uh, in a nutshell, what it, what it does is you feed this, um, this program, uh, some words or some, a sample of a text, and it will pretty much ingest all the information on the web and then reason with what you with uh and then like come up with some reason and finish like the article you were writing or perhaps like a business memo or it could even do some coding for you write some simple code Um, basically finish an essay for all you college students out there looking to slack off so it's pretty cool uh I, i saw on twitter some of the examples of Obviously, this isn't available to the public yet. It's available to a small number of private test users. There's someone at the Founders Fund, which is uh, Peter Thiel's 
private equity firm, huge, hugely successful PE firm. And basically what it did is it fed it the first half of an investment memo and then uh, GPT-3 basically finished the memo and uh, he said it did it pretty cohesively, uh, even talked about investment strategy and risks. Another point, he fed it some information on a memo he wrote on how to hold an effective board meeting and it came up with uh, three steps to follow when uh, trying to recruit a board member. And he was so impressed. He's like, I'm going to implement this in, in, into my own writing. Um, th- there are some a lot of limitations and cons uh, with it, as, as always. You know, I think the, the CEO, uh, Sam Altman of OpenAI, he, he tweeted out, you know, thanks for all the props because everyone was giving them props on the potential of this. But it's just an early glimpse of the capabilities AI will be able to do. Um, and yeah, so, some cons is like, it has trouble kind of reasoning and, and you know it doesn't really have common sense for that it's just like a shitload of information but it can easily be uh fooled i guess you could say to, to output the wrong data and a lot of the, the, the big concern really is like the ability for it to generate fake news and, and complete bullshit news articles that are totally un, untrue because there's so much shit out there <laughs> uh that humans have written on the internet but uh, just in terms of like processing speed and, and what it can do it just shows the potential i mean this is only gpd3 after one and two like what happens when they get to five and seven and ten um you know fuck you, you never have to write an essay again in, in high school everyone just gets amazed using this thing so i'll obviously have to be you know put in in the correct hands and uh monitored correctly and continually improved on but uh I mean, it's it's pretty cool so far what it can do. It's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool to see the leaps in uh, in AI and and because again, obviously with machine learning, it just allows us to create more and more awesome, awesome cool stuff. So um, it's kind of trippy though when you really dive into it. I, I tend to get all freaked out <laughs> when I read too much into it, but um, a lot of great inputs, and I'm sure they'll make it a lot better too. I mean, to me, it just makes sense, though. Like, that's that what it's able to do. There's so much information on the Internet that, that you know, one human brain just cannot uh, contain all that information. And then it all comes down to the neural nets and how it processes and, and filters out that information and relays it back. So, um, I mean, it's pretty, pretty endless and scary almost. It's just like amazing and scary what it what it might be capable of doing in the future right and it's it's very much how we learn too right like we Mm -hmm. learn through like you know if we we learn like emotions and we learn like what to do and what not to do based on our own experiences and trial and error um you know like if as a baby if i like hit you and i see you cry and that like it's like upsetting you know it's like ah don't do that and then you learn not to like you learn based on the rewards you get from certain things and that's just how they learn but just out of like it's exponentially quicker rate because they can process their their technically their brain I guess can process so much quicker but it's all it's all trying at trial and error and learning and going down certain paths and then saying no and trying another path and seeing what works um, it's like in a video game you start off on like rookie and then you get off to like pro and you slowly get better right except you can get to like expert you know there's no theoretical limit mm-hmm. on your exactly. skills Working on them skills. Is there anything else you wanted to um, do? You want to discuss uh, 
before we jump in to some sales stuff. I know you had some notes on um, some U.S.-China uh, yeah, tensions. Wanna... and want to jump into that? Oh, I think we can park the uh, Cold War 2.0. But, but uh, I did want to mention that some some crazy stuff happening in the stock market that Kodak's stock, which is, uh, if you remember, Kodak used to be the the, uh, the old school cameras. Yeah, what was it, like Kodak Smile or whatever? Yeah, so uh, two or three years ago, the stock popped incredibly when they announced they were, like, getting into cryptocurrency and blockchain. And uh, nothing ever really came of it. And the stock ends up crashing back down to, like, a penny stock. And now um, the thing surged like from, I don't know, $2 to it was at 60 bucks at one point today in the last two days on reports that they're like got like a small contract to supply the government with, uh, what is that, like chemicals or like healthcare, like medical device supplies. Uh, also came out the CEO bought a bunch of shares like right before this came out. So um, it's it's clearly like I would say 95% just like pump bullshit. But just seeing how the stock reacts and the volume piles in is uh, reminiscent of 1999 and some of the retail and speculative trading going on. You saw it when Hertz declared bankruptcy and and the stock rallied like 200% in one day just because people were, were trading into it. So uh, there's some pretty crazy things happening out there in the markets. It's yeah. nuts. And I'm just looking now. So they actually got a, a $765 million loan from the oh, yeah, U.S. Loan, government. Sorry, definitely not a contract. <laughs> <laughs> got a loan. Yeah, it's. Uh, I saw some pretty funny Twitter memes. Uh, FinTwit going crazy over it. But yeah, it's... It's very, it's like a mini 1999, I think, because a lot of the big tech companies, while their their stocks are expensive, like they're they're 100 legit now, versus back in the day. But just when you see some of the speculative behavior like that, and, and also how these IPOs have soared in their debuts, no matter which company it is, um, you know, that's usually signals that uh, stocks are are at sort of unsustainable near term levels. All right, that's that's it. Some good, so some some valuable, valuable information. By the way, what do you do? Is that a is that a rolling rock you got over there? No, my man, that's a two board green. Two board green, very nice. Yeah, yeah. I got a gin tonic myself. Mm. If you keep hearing, if you keep hearing weird gulping sounds and ice crushing on the mic, it's because I, <laughs> I keep I keep trying to like steal a few of the cucumbers that are in here because I'm a little hungry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had the the pleasure of having uh, a nice salad with some fresh cucumbers from uh, one of my girlfriend's friends garden. And uh, God damn, man, I, I can't wait to have a mini garden and grow some cukes, little grape oh, tomatoes. Oh, yeah. Did you fresh. see my basil? My, no, I got oh, basil. I got basil on top, bro. Oh, just amazing. You're getting to that point. You're just adding basil to everything. Like, can I put a bit of basil in that? Uh. Yeah, like absolutely. I I can like today. I put like ten big basil leaves in like my whatever I had for breakfast slash lunch, and like it looks like I didn't pick anything. Like it's just it's just unlimited basil. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love how uh, what's his name there, um, Hell's Kitchen. Gordon Ramsay calls it basil. 
Oh, add some, he's, add some he's fresh basil in there. Tomatoes, yeah. Tomatoes. <laughs> a lot of big fan of his videos on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like I'll get lost on Facebook just scrolling down, and then like him calling some guy like a dick face, you fucking dick face. <laughs> it's just like I'll, I'll I'll be gone. Like I'm done for like a half hour just watching him fucking rip into people. That's great. Um. Okay. Let's. Uh, so should we finish up uh, part three of Art of the Sales today? We talk about closing. Um, always, always, always be closing, baby. The ABC is exactly, exactly. So we kind of talked about, um, first we did the, the intro, how to prep a lead, how to set it up. Uh, last week we talked about putting together your perfect pitch. Um, this week we close it out. Um, so one quick trip, one quick trick I like to do, um, and I like to incorporate this into my, uh, my pitch as well, just to kind of gauge where you're at, especially before you talk, if you have a, a pitch that talks about price, um, or before you go for the action item, uh, I like to do, uh, what's called a trial close. So after the main body of your pitch, um, so you can ask, you know, how does that stack up to what you're using now? Or, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, do you have, like, do you have any comments? Uh, what do you think? So, um, just doing that and then pa- like actually give them a pause and a, a chance to respond to see where you're at. Um, because sometimes they might have some pre-price objections or just some questions or, or misunderstanding. So it's good to kind of realign before you go in for the action item, whether it's to pay something or to send you something. Um, do a little trial close. It's always good to see where you're at. Um, then when it comes to the actual close, you can literally do the best job in the world. You can have the best pitch in the world, but unless you ask for the business, you're not going to get it. Um, so by the end of your pitch, by the end of your, or I guess your close, the customer should know three important things and you should be able to answer these three questions. One, what is it that you're selling? Number two, how does it benefit them? And uh, number three, and probably most importantly, is how do they buy it, right? Um, and it sounds super, super simple, but it's crazy how many times I'll get like a cool marketing email or uh, like a call or um, anything. And, and then I go to, I'm like, okay, cool, next step. Like I want this and I can't figure it out. And then I get frustrated and I say like, ah, fuck it, I'll figure it out another day. Then, and then my buying temperature goes down. They need to know exactly um, very simply what the next steps are, uh, whether it's sending you a quote request, um, you know, signing up on a website or whatever. Um, never say or at the end of asking a question on a close. So that means like, hey, do, would you like to move forward with this or... Uh, don't, don't lead them to a no. Be firm and be confident. Would you like to move forward with this? Uh, don't show, don't show weakness or uncertainty. Um, just, just, just looks bad. Don't lead them to a no. Um, another thing, when in doubt, close it out. So if you're in the back end, so back end of a conversation would be post price or post, I guess the action item and you're going through objection handling and you're having some, some tough times or you're, you're, you've lost your ground. Uh, just ask them for the business and see where they're at. 
You know, there's multiple closing asks before your job is done. You sometimes you'll ask for the business three, four. There's different theories on this, but you know, you'll you'll ask for the job or, or for the contract or whatever it is three, four, five times on one call before it's done. You know, you have to work your way around the objections. So don't be afraid to just if you're lost, just ask them if they want to move forward and then reassess where you are. And then my F U F F S follow up for fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> like it, it, it's unbelievable how f- terrible people are at following up for one. Do it. Okay? When you send a follow up email, don't just expect that they're going to take action on, on something just because it's a good idea. You have to follow up. You have to put pressure. You have to motivate them to make a decision. Um, how many times, even with your friends, do they know something is good for them? You know, going the going to, like how many people want to go to the gym? They know it's good for them, but they don't do it. They need a little motivation. That's what your job is as a salesman: is to help motivate people to make the right choice and make the right decision and take action. So you're gonna have to follow up, and don't just say, "Hey, I was just checking in where we're at with this." Uh, make sure you you remind them of the value. You know when. Remember when we spoke, you, you really liked our pricing and you thought that our quality was really good. So, um, I just wanted to follow up and see if, if this was a good time to get something going. Make sure you remind them of the value that, that they saw the first time you talked. And if you didn't know what it is, you didn't do a good job of pitching them in the first place. Um, so just some quick tips before we close this, um, this art of sales out. Um, you know, make sure you're always direct. You know, a lot of times in the back end of a conversation, you're going to have to ask a lot of questions and get understanding on why someone said no or, um, understand their current process and things like that. Don't like ask the question and stop. Ask one question at a time. If you're, if you're not direct, if you're not if you're too scared to ask someone a tough question, then you're never going to get your questions answered and you'll never know where you're at. Uh, understand the decision-making process. So understand it's it's not who you're talking to. It's who's going to be spending the money. Whose budget does it come out of? Who are the other people? Are, should you talk to them? You know, find out who, who might block your idea. So when we used to sell technology to a, like a student affairs office. It's like, yeah, they want the product and they're on board, but ultimately it's going to have to go through IT. So don't not talk to IT and let them know you're on the same side. Work with them because if they don't know who you are, they're going to say, what's this? You know, they would say, what's this technology coming in? Make sure you try and get those people on the phone and see what their objections might be. Um, and then you, we had kind of talked about rapport a little bit last time. And I think this is super important. So I just want to highlight it, even though it doesn't necessarily go in with closing. But uh, rapport isn't like asking how their Sunday was or how their weekend was or a golf tournament. Like that's stuff. OK, f- it's fine if you have a like if you if you've been have experience talking to this person for a long time or you know them on a more personal level, but that's not what rapport is. Rapport is at the end of the day, does this person trust you as a expert in your field, right? Do they, are they willing to put their decisions in your hands? So make sure you're always providing value, not just on your product or service, but on everything. You want to be super credible. You want to be knowledgeable. Make sure you drop facts and show them you can help. So study up on the industry you're in and, and know know your stuff, not just about your product. Um, never, ever, ever act like you need a sale. This is something I personally can't stand. Um, when someone says, uh, please, 
or we would really love your business. Like, no shit, you would love my business. You've been calling me for fucking six months. Like, explain to them why it's a good idea. You can push the issue, but come from the, come from the background of, you know, I'm just trying to understand why you wouldn't want to do this. I thought it would be a great fit, not we would love your business. Uh, a needy seller is a broke seller. Um, manage your agenda, control the conversation that goes into being credible and being an expert and make sure you listen to them. Uh, you know, salespeople, we've, especially when you're pitching the same product over and over, we've had this conversation a million times. So a lot of times we know what they're going to say before they say it. And we're, we're planning our objection handle because we're nervous. Don't get too excited. Don't jump the gun, hear what they have to say and uh, reiterate it to them that you understand and then respond accordingly. So even if you want to paraphrase their words, just to show them that you understand that works, but make sure it shows you a lesson, you know? And, uh, and, and that's a wrap on, uh, on the art of sales, you know, some, some nice little intro for you. If you have any follow-up questions, you know, I write to us on Facebook. I'm always available, but that's that. That was awesome. Uh, some great information in there. Definitely agree with a lot of it. And, uh, some of it, I, I noticed that I, I do the wrong thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to work on a little bit of it. Yeah, definitely think just just adding one one thing kind of exactly what you said. Uh, and this isn't only in sales, but just in general, I find when you're emailing people, whether they're inside your company or outside your company, just just write shorter emails, like be direct and to the point. You could add a little bit of personal flair, but don't go on these long sentences. Uh, just get to the point and fire off the email. Yeah, a, lo a lot of my emails are, are point form. Like I'll say a little brief exactly. intro and then I'll, I'll list things like with little dashes and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's simpler to read. It doesn't look as long. And yeah. uh, no one wants to read yeah. a thousand word email. I don't want to read in general. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, um, I thought it would be fitting if uh, we, we had a little fun little question at the end of this. I already know mine. I want to know yours. Do you have a, a favorite, not like a, not like a, like a real life salesman, like a fictional salesman. Do you have a, a favorite, like from a movie or TV show? Of course. Yeah. I, I wrote down five and, and oh. I feel like I'm, I'm definitely missing some too. And, and, uh, you know, I, I should have prepared more for this section. I could have gone on all day, but, uh, I'll give you my five that, that stood out to me. Uh, I really like Vin Diesel and Boiler Room. He's a stockbroker, and uh, I don't. I just like Vin Diesel, man. He's just badass. <laughs> he's a, he's cool. a boss, yeah, for I, sure. I recently rewatched the first Fast and Furious. I forgot how good a, a movie that is. Uh, I think Leonardo DiCaprio, Wolf of Wall Street, obviously, that's uh, an obvious one. Uh, in Glen Gary, Glenn Ross, I really like Al Pacino, just a smooth, sneaky bastard at the bar. In the, in the sale and then uh, a lot of people maybe haven't seen this movie but it's a great movie it's called Thank You for Smoking and Aaron Eckhart is just an absolute beast as a lobbyist for the cigarette companies oh very nice and then uh, my last one is from the show Workaholics where they work in telemarketing I'll go with uh, Montez who's a, a guy in the office who like always has the top sales <laughs> And the, uh, the boys can never come close to him after that. He's just a selling machine. 
That's it. So a dope salesman. That's a it's a solid list. I went a bit um, off off your brand, uh, if you will. Um, I went with one. So it's a it's an actor, but he plays a salesman in pretty much every movie he's in. I went with Vince Vaughn. I think he's the best salesman of all time. In in old school, he rocks Speaker City, and he's sick with the promotions. He he's all about the marketing with Snoop Dogg, and uh, he gets it all hooked true, up at the true. parties. He really he 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 thinks outside the box, you know, because he 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 makes those uh, strategic partnerships and, and gets into places <laughs> where he can really promote the brand. Um, in um, oh, what's that movie where they go on the? Is it Honeymooners? Couples Retreat? Couples Retreat. Couples Retreat, where he's a salesman for Guitar Hero. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, And, like, even in the internship when he does the customer service and he goes into the Papa John's and locks in that deal. He's got it all, you know. He's he's confident. He's uh, he sticks to his his script. He sticks to his pitch, but he you know he he's not afraid to get a little inspirational. I think that's where he really gets people excited about the products he's selling. So that's why uh, Vince Vaughn, number one salesman, and of course you know you can't you can't uh, forget his expert sales ability when he negotiates or not negotiates, but he inspires uh, and and really turns around the. The, the squad in dodgeball from a from a mm. low-hearted team to you know coming to coming up. up to a victory over the the global gym cobras purple cobras and he he swindles fucking what's his name too uh, <laughs> I forget his name White Goodman Whit- into yeah so uh, there you have it folks Vince Vaughn oh, great leadership skills yeah. Find me a great leader and I'll find you a great salesman. That's your number one salesman. That's my number one salesman. That's a good one. And obviously, quick shout out to Tommy Boy. Oh, (laughs) that's true. Fuck, I haven't seen that in forever. Yeah, it's an oldie, but a goodie. I haven't seen that in like 15 years. That's that's a shame. Yeah. Gonna have to rewatch that. But yeah, man, not uh, not a whole lot of breaking news. Just uh, a lot of earnings coming out, mostly bad, unless they're tech companies. And uh, as Jimmy said, we got a bachelor party next week, so uh, you know we're gonna be, I think, uh, social distancing, wearing masks, but uh, having a good time together. And uh, what feels like forever—the first time, what feels like forever. Yeah, very excited. If uh, if you're all looking for a good watch, um, I know there's gonna be some scattered thunderstorms here in Montreal. Um, I know there's some storms down in Florida and maybe Toronto as well, but if you're stuck inside on a rainy, thundery day and looking for a captivating um, conspiracy theory watch, check out The Underground on Amazon Prime. It's pretty fucked up, (laughs) but a good watch. It's like 45 minutes. It's about aliens and underground bases and shit. It's fucking cool. But it's all. Yeah, I can't wait to watch. I watched the trailer. I'm really excited to watch it this weekend. And uh, yo, in that in that similar news, um, I, I was reading that the Pentagon said they're going to start releasing some uh, information that mm-hmm. they found on on UFOs. Um, yeah. They haven't said like we found stuff, but they've pretty much said they've been they've had a, a team dedicated to it, and they're slowly going to start. Re- you know, letting out some reports and research and stuff like that. So 
I know. I'm, uh, I'm super excited. Hopefully, they have some juicy stuff, and I know. we'll be we'll definitely be sure to bring it up on the pod if they do. Awesome. Well, that's all. That's all that is for me. Anything else you want to add there? Spency? No, that's it. That's it for me today, my man. Well, well, from all of us here at Los Business Boys, thanks for tuning in for episode 6-3. We appreciate your time and your love, and uh, we'll check you later. Peace out.